Hello, everyone, and welcome to the PWO cast. Uh, today's episode, we are dedicating to the life and accomplishments of John Huber, who professional re- wrestling fans may know better as Brody Lee or Luke Harper. Uh, Huber unfortunately passed away this past week of a non-COVID lung issue at 41 years of age. So we are taking this episode to celebrate his life and his accomplishments in the wrestling world. If you'd like to help out his family financially in any way, there are several ways you could do that. Uh, A donation to the American Lung Association is a big step into helping, helping, you know, with these lung issues that pop up and helping with the cure of them. You can also, if you go to prowrestlingtees.com, any merch of his that was on there will be going to the family. Um, any proceeds from merch from different wrestlers, CM Punk, Mick Foley are two big ones. Their merch proceeds for the month of January will also be going to the Huber family. So if you wanted to help out financially in any way, those would be the best ways to do so. Well, that's, that being said, let's go on to the episode and talking about this wonderful professional wrestler. Yeah, so John Huber, um, in my mind, was always one of the most underrated guys anywhere he worked. I don't think he ever got as big of a shot as he should have. I think had he not passed away this soon, I think AEW was planning on giving him a shot at some point. Um, but but John Huber really um, showed that you can still be a wrestler and have your career be a really big part of your life, but you can still be a family first guy. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. He was one of the, um, I don't want to say few professional wrestlers, but there aren't many wrestlers that balanced, you know, the family life and the road life the way he did. Cause he's, cause I'm more of a nineties wrestling fan. You see it all the time back in the era I look at guys, families just completely fall apart because of how much, you know, they want to push to be the best. And John Huber's like, yeah, you know, I like wrestling. I'm all about it, but I still have a family. I need to be there for them. And, and there's just so many clips of him, um, you know, really having fun with his children, like on the road. Like mm-hmm. but the one that's circulating now is him like putting his – uh, his kid Brody on his shoulders and getting the crowd to chant Brody. Like, like oh, he, he always incorporated his kids outside of the ring into um, some in the ring stuff. So just an all around great guy. Yeah. He had such a love for his family and kids and it was so apparent, you know, you could, yeah, like you said earlier, you could almost tell with older perfect, like nineties professional wrestlers type people that they really, those people could really give two shits about their family, but for 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 Brody, family was first, you know. His he, even his kid Brody is named Brody Jr. Not because his real name is Brody, but because his father's ring name is Brody, and and they wanted him to be Brody, like named after Brody Lee, not just named after John Huber, which That's I always awesome. thought was really awesome. Yeah, he uh, the la- most recent taping for AEW, not for today's episode, but for uh, like a couple weeks ago, they did a segment after uh, all of the matches were over where Brody Jr. pinned Kenny Omega and won 
the AEW World Championship. <clears throat> they did a whole thing about it. It's a, uh, you know, you can tell with the statements that people put out too, just how great of a person he seemed to be. Yeah, the, the thing that stood out to me was I, I, I heard about it right when it happened. Because I, I was just scrolling through Twitter because I had nothing better to do on a whatever night it was. And uh, one of the top things I saw was AEW, the verified Twitter account, released that statement. And I was like, hold up. I didn't even know about this. This can't be real. And, you know, everyone on Twitter is like, guys, we don't know what's going on. You know, this just came out. And then uh, everyone was tweeting about his wife's Instagram post. And I looked. And his wife posted something on Instagram. At that point, it had only been up for 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And the thing that stood out to me was his wife only had like, you know, 1,500 followers. was very personal account. Mm -hmm. There were like 50 comments at that point, but almost all of them were people in the industry. All of them had check marks. All of them were at least, you know, WWE, AEW. They were all wrestlers and they immediately, you know, they were just like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Cause it's, it's one of their own, you know, Absolutely. it stood the show. He was one of the like good guys, you know, cause if you have that many people that respect you and like you, you're going to be missed. Absolutely. There's so many, so, and one of the things too, that I noticed was that so many of the things that were the statements that were put out by other wrestlers, so many of them were talking first and foremost about how great of a person he was before how great of a wrestler he was. Because he was a great wrestler, no doubt about it. But he also seems like one of the nicest, most down-to-earth, fun people to hang around with. You know, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, John Silver, who is, uh, if people don't know, John Silver is a member of the Dark Order, which is the stable that Brody was the leader of before he passed. And there was a text. It was a text from Tony Khan to Brody where Tony was saying, hey, we should keep going further with, with Silver. He reminds me of the Stevie Richards to your Raven. And Brody was like, I absolutely love it. Brody purchased new like gear for Silver that Silver was going to wear. Wow. And you'll likely see it on tonight's AW Dynamite, which is a tribute show to Brody Lee. Um, but it was like, it was basically matching gear to what Brody wore to the ring, which, which is very much a big guy type of outfit to wear. But John Silver is like, what? Five, 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 six. <laughs> <laughs> this is, that's funny to me. You get a guy like Jamie Noble in something that Braun Strowman would wear. Like. <laughs> <laughs> there's actually, there's a really funny picture that, uh, it's a really it's a, it's a it made me laugh. It was an it was a picture of Brody and Marco stunt, and Marco was wearing like the shirt and tie from Brody's suit, and Brody was like holding him by the ears. <laughs> there, there was a really good um Brody photo I saw. It was Mad Hardy posted on Twitter. At one point, I think at some match, he got busted open. And, you know, I don't know if he bladed himself or if he got busted open, but 
obviously he was bleeding to the point where the medics, you know, wanted to attend to him when he got in the back. Mm -hmm. And so he's in the back. And one of the first guys that comes up to him is Brody Lee. And he's just like, man, you know, are you all right? Like, you all right out there? What happened? And Matt Hardy just looks at him and he's like, he said something along the lines of, you know, I'm too beat up and old to be beat up and old. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, oh. And, and there's a photo of um, Matt getting stitched up and Brody Lee just like smiling at the camera. With a <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the, one of my favorite recent things that Brody has done was his appearances on Being the Elite too. Yes, you, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you've watched Being the Elite or not, but uh, they the, the the Dark Order together was on Being the Elite, and Brody was very much the angry leader. He always hit someone in the head with papers. He always yelled at people, and he'd always say to Alex Reynolds, who was John Silver's tag team partner, he'd always say, you know. Why the fuck is it always something with silver? <laughs> One of my favorite being the elite moments uh, was it was after they did the whole angle on AW with uh, the best friends and Sue's minivan, Sue being Trent's uh, mother. Uh, and they did a whole segment of Sue like joining the dark order on being the elite <laughs> and, and Brody Lee gave Sue like the, the stack of papers he would normally hit everyone with. And he said this over, you better fucking sell for Stu. For Stu. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I never heard that. It's fantastic. Oh, it's fan absolutely fantastic. Uh, if you get a chance, the most recent episode of being the elite is a tribute episode to Brody as well. And that goes through all of his like being the elite moments and it go and it shows like outtakes and people's favorite uh people's favorite moments of working on being the elite with him uh you know yeah, John... are, there, are there like little moments where he like breaks character a bit because it's like there's and in the outtakes there are but he yeah. really tried not to but they uh and one of the moments they say when he wasn't on screen he was always the first person to laugh and mess everything up <laughs> that's not, i could totally see brody like watching other people doing a promo and then laughing off camera and them having to be like all right cut we need to do that we can't edit out the laughing yeah there was a there was a thing that uh a, sort of a code they had on camera mostly for john silver when someone would start you know breaking in the middle of the scene they'd like turn their head and start laughing and Brody would look at them and slap them in the face and go, are you fucking crying? <laughs> are you fucking crying? It's, uh... <laughs> it, well, it's funny because if you go into it knowing that, you'll know every time you see it. That that's right. <laughs> uh, it's just. And as a wrestler, you know, I think he was one. He's one of the best big men around today, you know? I think in today's wrestling climate, big men don't get nearly as much attention as they should. And even if they do, they're like not as like actually big, big men, but they're like sort of shorter, really muscly people like Brian Cage, you know? Yeah. But Brody was one of the, he was one of the best, just big guys. Like you look at Brody Lee and without knowing the person and you're a little scared, you know? Yeah. Well, the, the thing 
that always intimidates you about Brody Lee is he just looks like unhinged is the word I'll use. Mm-hmm. Like you look at him staring at you, you know, with the, you know, I guess the, the really scraggly beard and the, the hair that might not have been washed for the past month. And he's just staring you down with that glare. You're like, this guy's got nothing to lose. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in his WWE run as Luke Harper, where he was almost always in jeans and a dirty white tank top. Exactly. That's what I know him from, you know. I, yeah. I didn't get to see the character Brody Lee much, so I don't necessarily know how it's different than Luke Harper. So I'll be speaking more upon the Luke Harper mm-hmm. character, but his, his ring ability stayed the same. Oh, absolutely. That's what I can speak to more because um, Brody or John, in this case, he always struck me as someone that was a lot more nimble than someone his size you would think would be. He he was always um he was never afraid to really go to the top rope. It wasn't every match, but there there would be a couple times where he'd go to the top rope and he'd hit a move and you'd be like, wow, that dude's like over six six. How's he doing that? Right, yeah. Uh I remember um one of my favorite matches of his and I said it was one of the matches I sent you to watch was his ladder match with Dolph Ziggler at TLC 2014. Yes. I remember it was also one of the most disappointing endings to a match I think I've ever watched because I remember he won the title on Raw and I got really excited because I was like, this is it. They're they're going to let him do his own thing. You know, he was part of the Survivor Series match with the Authority. You know, he was like, I'll be a team player. And, and he did the whole... Authority Survivor Series match, and then he beat Dolph Ziggler for the Intercontinental title on Raw, and then three weeks later, they took the title off of him at TLC. But it's one of the... It's one of my favorite ladder matches of all time. Because the the thing with ladder matches is that most people equate ladder matches with more like you know, high-flying stuff, jumping off of ladders, and doing all sorts. But I love how intense the ladder can be as a weapon you know throwing a ladder at someone hitting someone with a ladder like setting the ladder up on its side and then slamming someone's back into the side like and that the ladder match stipulation sort of fits brody perfectly you know yeah agreed and and brody lee versus Dolph ziggler has to be one of the top just matchups i've heard strictly like like technical wrestlers like uh i think dolph ziggler's and dolph ziggler's another one of those guys uh that's pretty underrated in terms of um that he was one of the greatest sellers of Mm. all time in my opinion he's up there with sean you know uh, just the way those guys can sell moves so when you have a guy like John Huber in the other corner, it's going to be pretty cool to see how some of those strikes are sold by Dolph. Mm-hmm. But then in turn, it can also be cool to see the little guy sort of come back and and like sort of David versus Goliath. You right. Know? I've never, you know, I've never been a big fan of Cody, but one thing I can always respect is Cody's ability to sell. And in the match where Brody Lee won the AWTNT championship, Cody sold his ass off. Like, Brody, he 
like brutalized Cody so hard that Cody's hair was different when he returned like a month later. Like wow. Cody, Cody brought back the like he brought like dark, like black hair. You know, Cody's natural hair color is brown, so you'd think Cody going to darker hair would be brown, but he had like black hair and it was almost like this is dark, vengeful Cody. And it was such a great little bit of storytelling that like it, it was always nice to see Brody on the like winning side of a storyline after all of the years of him not being on the winning side of a storyline in WWE, except when he was in a tag team with Rowan. Yeah, it, it, the thing that always hurt me about Brody is that he was never utilized the way he should have been in WWE. No. They, they stuck him with Bray Wyatt, which was a great intro. It was mm-hmm. a great start. You know, the Wyatt family is definitely one of the, I would argue, top five tag teams of this past decade. Um, they were very influential. And so to be in a staple with that kind of, I guess, wielding power is a great intro. But uh, WWE just didn't really allow him to expand his character from that to become more than that. And they did that with guys like Braun Strowman. Right. You you had Strowman come in with Wyatt and then sort of become his own thing. I wish they'd done that uh, with, at that point, Luke Harper. I wish they'd done that with him. I remember it was the lead up to WrestleMania 33 in 2017. But in the lead up, they had, you know, Randy Orton won the Royal Rumble. But Randy Orton went because Randy Orton was a part of the Wyatt family at this time with with Wyatt and Harper. Uh, Randy Orton was like, I'm not going to use my title match because Bray Wyatt's my friend. And so they did like a whole battle royal on smackdown and the final two people were harper and styles and they 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 eliminated each other at the same time aj's feet hit the first harper clearly won that match um but i remember that whole storyline i remember being so excited because it meant that i was so excited because i thought it were going to be a triple threat match at mania and i thought harper was going to get a wwe title match at wrestlemania and i was like they're finally doing it they're finally pushing them you know and then they didn't push him because that's how wwe works i guess uh but in that i remember also in that lead up to that wrestlemania um my brother and i went to a house show in i think it was amherst mass and the WWE title match at that house show was Bray Wyatt and Luke Harper. And in that wow. match, at some point, uh, Harper or Wyatt, t- or I think, yeah, Harper took the ring steps and like placed them on the ramp to throw Bray Wyatt into. And those ring steps just like stood there for the rest of the match. Wyatt eventually won. He left. Harper, when he won, he got up. He grabbed the ring steps and he put them back where they were supposed to be to, I kid you not, I think the loudest pop of the night. Because <laughs> it was like, it was such a great little moment where he's like, okay, I'm going to be respectful now and put this back. <laughs> it's like, uh, reminds me of, there's a, a SpongeBob episode, right? Where he's like mopping up the floor. 
and him mopping up the floor gets the most applause like yeah. <laughs> of the whole night. It's just that's what makes a live show a live show. Oh, absolutely. Because the people that go to the live shows aren't your casual fans. They're not, you know, to an extent, there's some families, but it's mainly, you know, people that are really into wrestling. It's a lot of people who are really into wrestling and a lot of people that go, oh, WWE is in the area. Why don't I go give them a watch? Yeah, exactly. I think house shows are more prone to proper reactions, though, because there's definitely times that you see crowds that just aren't into it at all mm-hmm. i'm trying to think of where those places are because there's all there's always certain corpus, corpus christi texas worst crowd i've ever seen <laughs> absolutely terrible they don't react to anything they react just, to nothing <laughs> i just remember i think it was the raw after mania one year but evolution returned in like 2014 and they got no pop whatsoever it was hysterical all these little kids are sitting there like who who's evolution (laughs) they they weren't even old enough to remember batista quitting like well it's because they wanted to make evolution like returning a big deal but daniel bryan just won the wwe title a night ago that's right it was in so it was in uh, New Orleans, New Orleans. No, that's where WrestleMania 30 was. That's what opened the door for Randy to go to Evolution because I think he made Randy tap out that night, right? Daniel Bryan. Yeah, I I think he yeah. made. He either made Randy tap or Batista tap. That's right. I remember that that whole situation was iconic because absolutely nobody wanted Batista versus Randy Orton in the main event of WrestleMania in 2014. Yeah, with one of them being a face. Right. With one of them being the face and one of them being a part-timer who literally returned two months ago and left the month after. It was just really funny how they wanted Batista to be a face when he came in. Uh, And then... It took them like two months to realize, oh, this is horrible. This is never going to work. He had a small feud with Alberto Del Rio that nobody remembers except for me. <laughs> I didn't even remember that. It was. Oh. I remember that be like, why? Why are they doing this? They had a mass elimination chamber. <laughs> I forgot Alberto Del Rio was even a thing. Like, and it El should stay that way. Because he's he's like genuinely a terrible person, so it should. Oh, stay he's that horrible! Way. I do not Absolutely like him horrible. As a he can stay away from my wrestling forever. He's not interesting enough to warrant getting signed anywhere. He is the opposite of John Huber. Absolutely, I I agree with that one hundred percent. Uh, gosh, yeah, and like we haven't even talked about him as a tag team wrestler with Rowan. You're right. Because Harper and Rowan did split up once Wyatt kind of went solo again. Right. Uh, But the thing is with the tag team is that despite the fact that WWE kept sort of like when they're like, okay, we don't know what to do now. Let's put him back with Rowan and see what happens. Him and Rowan were always a great tag team. They always had such a presence to them. You know, they had their feud with, uh, I think it was the Usos in 2014 over the tag titles. That was just every single one of those matches was phenomenal. And I still don't know how they didn't win any of those matches. Um, but those matches were great. Their return as the Bludgeon Brothers uh, in 2017 right. was especially fun. 
Uh, I liked the big hammers they carried around. Uh, it was like, okay. It was cool because they genuinely had them like destroy like three tag teams in the, like their return. Like they destroyed like the Usos in the New Day, which like that's awesome. If you need to establish a tag team, that's how you do it. You just got to make them run through. Yeah, it's just you don't see in general a lot of tag teams that are two big men. You Agreed. usually usually get the big man and the little man. You get the Michaels and Diesel. You get the right now in NXT. There's Killian Dane and Drake Maverick. Where Killian Dane's like huge and Drake Maverick's like the size of a child. Like you, you get Team Hell No. You get yeah. Kane and Daniel Bryan. Kane and Daniel Bryan. You get Kane and RVD. You get Kane and X Pac. It, it, just put the Big Show with anyone else. <laughs> yeah. Just. To, it's just also why I liked Big Show and Kane as a tag team when they teamed up. Because just yeah. a tag team, what are you going to do? They're both huge. <laughs> like, if one of them's big and one of them's small, like, I'd just go after Daniel Bryan instead. It'll all be good. But but they're both big. And they're scary. And they slapped each other before they did moves. Like It's just, it's especially scary when you know the person in the other corner is the mayor of a city. And they have, like... <laughs> full like legal possibilities oh. at the helm <laughs> in their grasp this is this is completely off topic but on survivor series they did that like a uh, farewell to the undertaker and everyone came out like normal clothes but for whatever reason when kane came out he came out in full gear and my first thought was they're not about to do an impromptu match with fucking kane and the undertaker are they <laughs> But now he just decided to come out in full Kane gear. They wanted they wanted Kane and not Mayor Glenn Jacobs. I mean, that's fair. Ma- the Mayor Glenn Jacobs, I don't think, would have served the Undertaker as well as Kane. The difference between the two being Kane wears a mask, <laughs> and and for a while Kane didn't wear a mask. It's true, and but, it was yeah, at the beginning a better part of his career, and then wasn't very quickly. Oh, anyway. I can't remember when he was unmasked. Oh, it was, was, it was one of the great moments of Raw, you know? That look of, like, the sort of charred-esque face with the, like, the very much bald hair except for, like, one strand in the back. Yeah, that was a really cool look. And it, it brings up something for, for other guys that are masked, you know, because sometimes you see him and sometimes you don't, right? Like most people know what Kane looks like without a mask. Mm-hmm. The, the one I'll bring up is Rey Mysterio because if you look, you can find him without a mask, but it's very hard. It's only been like one or two moments throughout his career. Well, actually, for like a year or two at the end of WCW. That's he right. He was completely unmasked because he lost the mask versus hair or whatever match. Yeah, so there was it, a little. Yeah, I think it was with Kevin Nash. Maybe I don't know. Probably, probably Kevin Nash loves beating people. He's not supposed to beat. He he hates those. Uh, what did he call him? He called him vanilla midgets. Oh yes, all the, all the small guys. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I'm glad that Brody never cut his hair because I think that would have taken away from his character. Agreed. Like when Braun cut his hair, I was like, "Oh, I don't really care anymore." 
Yeah, you're just a big guy with no hair. Yeah, now you're, now you're just a bald dude with a beard. That's like everyone in wrestling right now. You're either bald with a beard or long hair with a beard. I was going to say, if you're bald and you're a big guy, you should just run for mayor. It's true. <laughs> That's what I've learned. I think the big show's got a good case to become the mayor. <laughs> Kane versus the big show. <laughs> to do a wrestling match for mayor of Knox County, Tennessee. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the gubernatorial election. It, it, it's like the presidency. Like we can just throw the election results out except for a wrestling match this time. Yes. Oh. Every every election should be decided in a wrestling match. <laughs> oh, oh, I love. I that. mean, not directly, but Donald Trump does kind of have a victory at WrestleMania. That's true. <laughs> Donald Trump has the experience advantage. Yeah, he was there. I mean, Bobby Lashley wrestled for him, but he was there. I mean, he certainly got the weight advantage. Yes. Hundred percent. He's a sturdy boy. Yeah, absolutely. So, someone like photoshopped Trump, where they made him have like a more traditional comb over, like like someone you'd see on Fox News, one of those like older yeah. Republican guys, where it's like like, like Tucker yeah. Carlson. Yeah, like Chris Wallace or some, mm-hmm. some old white guy, right? Yeah. They, they photoshopped his hair like that. It looked awful. To tell you the truth. <laughs> I mean, his hair kind of always looks awful. Exactly. Someone said um, he should do like kind of what um, Jesse Ventura did back when he was governor of Minnesota. Just completely shave his head and grow a goatee. Oh, yeah. And look like badass. It's true. And then it, Jesse Ventura came back to commentate for a little bit. That's right. And then he started growing his like long blonde locks and now long white locks out you know another brody moment i'll always remember was when he debuted in aw because the rumors had been circulating for a little bit and it was the first show of the covid era it was their first show without fans like at all wow and they had been they had been hinting towards who the exalted one of the Dark Order was going to be. And just like everyone assumed it was going to be Matt, Matt Hardy. And Matt Hardy did also debut on that episode of Dynamite, just at the end in a different part of the storyline. But they did the whole promo thing. And the way they did it with the reveal was really cool because they did like the sort of dark, distorted voice and showing pictures and clips and stuff. And then the voice got less and less distorted until it was just his voice. And it came up to a very iconic image, if you've seen his solo stuff in WWE, of like sort of him in a room that's kind of dark with the light bulbs hanging around him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's great. And it was like, oh my God, it's Brody Lee. And then uh, he started, they had to call him Mr. Brody Lee. And his character was pretty much uh, if Vince McMahon was a huge wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> oh well that that brings up a point is like when you're watching that right up to that point you only know him as luke harper so until they actually announce his name you're right. like oh my god that's that's that's, that's the guy. 
unless unless you knew him from before he was in WWE. It was that his name before? Yeah, he was okay. Brody Lee, and then he went to WWE, and then when he went out, he was Brody Lee again. Okay. The Brody, if it wasn't obvious by just his entire appearance being an homage to Bruiser Brody. Yes. It, it was funny because I was watching the uh, the AJ Styles number one contender match mm-hmm. right before this, and I noticed one of the things that JBL said was that, you know, oh, well, you know, Luke Harper always reminds me of the Bruiser Brody, you know? He he made sure to bring that up. I'm like, that's interesting. Even when he was in WWE, they're still kind of pushing that comparison. Right. Absolutely. And, you know, JBL, JBL always had those things he said about every wrestler. He always, <sighs> me- he always mentioned, uh, you know, reminding Luke Harper, reminding him of Bruiser Brody. He always mentioned, if you had to build a perfect professional wrestler from the ground up, you'd get Randy Orton. And uh, any time anyone had won the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, it was just like Brock Lesnar. <laughs> JBL as a commentator, like, I don't know. My favorite moment was when, who the heck... Oh, they I, I'm trying to remember who they were. So it's like um uh the Legion of Doom. They were trying to be like a new Legion of Doom and the it just was it work. the Ascension, Connor it and Victor? Ascension. I love those guys. It was the Ascension. The Ascension came out there and they were just like going off about how they were gonna be the best tag team ever. And then JBL's like, No, wait just a minute, and he like stands up and the crowd's like, Yeah. Oh my God, JBL! <laughs> I never thought anyone would be cheering for JBL again. Oh God, but no. he gets up God, no. and he just looks at them, and he's like, "You can paint yourself green, but it don't make you a frog any more than you calling yourselves a wrestler makes you a legend." <laughs> it's just. It was so weird. It was like, and then all he had to do was just tear his button up and bring down uh, Ron yeah. Simmons, and that was that. JBL always, almost, almost always spoke complete and utter nonsense. I think JBL, Even, yeah, he's one of the few guys that only speaks in alliteration. Like, I, I fall into that trap myself, but it seems like everything with JBL has to be like something else. Right. Like, it can't just be its own thing. It has to be like, oh, well, this is like this, you know, right. with everything. JBL. One of my fo- one of the funniest JBL moments wasn't even anything JBL said, but it was at uh, ECW One Night Stand 2005. And that was the like the first WWE ECW sort of pay-per-view. It was sort of like a return show, tribute show to ECW before they made it a brand. And they did a like show long storyline where all the WWE guys were like up in the stands and getting drunk and booing and just bashing everything. And Paul Heyman grabbed the mic at one point and said, JBL, the only reason you were WWE champion for a year was because Triple H didn't want to work Tuesdays. I remember <laughs> that. I remember that. That was so good. And <laughs> I also remember from that Paul Heyman saying, Edge, I got two words for you. Matt freaking Hardy. And then everyone, all the WWE people were like, that's three words. And Edge went, 
That's three words. <laughs> oh, but Heyman shooting is one of my favorite. Heyman in general is one of my favorites because I'm a huge Brock Lesnar mark. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the one promo I remember about Heyman is like like 2001, I think it was. Uh, like probably right before Lesnar came in. He just shot on Vince. It was pretty iconic. It was like 10 minutes long. And Vince, to his credit, just stands there and takes it. Just takes everything. I think the behind-the-scenes stories about that promo are funnier than the promo itself. Because Heyman's promo actually incorporates a lot of um, real-life stuff to the point where it does kind of make you question whether it's a shoot. It's a work. but Like, like the CM Punk one in 2011. Exactly. Exactly like the CM Punk one. Um, this is probably the precursor to that CM Punk one. Because mm-hmm. Heyman calls out Vince on, you know, he went back. He went back to like the 80s and he was like, you're a really, you know, crap human being you ran all your father's friends out of business you know like that yeah, right. kind of thing <laughs> it's like your father would have never sold it to you if this is what it was going to turn into it's like he's right though like like this is legit and he's actually saying it on tv um behind the scenes what was funny was it actually came up on a flight like had to have been two shows before that they were flying and it, it was some road agent like, you know, Michael Hayes or Pat Patterson, one, one of those older guys. Um, they were just talking and um, Paul Heyman was sitting there and one of them was just like, oh, if you need someone to shoot on you, Vince, Paulie's the guy to do it. And Vince just like stops. He's like, really? You're the guy to shoot on me? And Paul's <laughs> like, oh, I can do it. I, I haven't done it in a while. I can shoot. <laughs> and and you know one of those guys was like yeah they're like you know that could really make some money and so Vince just turns to Paul he's like well you think you can make me money and Paul's <laughs> like yeah, yeah I can do that it's like all right we're doing this next show <laughs> and they're in Gorilla and, and and at this point it's been over a week and Paul's been sort of coming up with stuff and he's got his promo ready to go and he has it. And he hasn't told Vince anything. Like Vince just wants him to actually go off because he doesn't want to, you know, red light anything. Right. And they're standing in gorilla. And Paul's like, Vince, are you sure you don't want to hear any of this? Like, <laughs> there's some pretty bad stuff in here. You sure you don't want to hear anything? And Vince just looks at him and goes, Well, it make me money. <laughs> and Paul's like, Yeah, yeah, we'll make you money. Vince is like, No, I don't want to hear it. Do it. <laughs> as long as it makes me money. <laughs> uh, when was the last time you watched SmackDown, James? Oh, good question. Good question. Well, I mean, flipping through channels, maybe I saw some of it like a month ago. The, the last time I actually sat down and watched like a decent amount of SmackDown, at least a year ago, if not two. Okay, so I want you to watch SmackDown because I don't know if you know what Paul Heyman's currently doing on SmackDown. I do know what he's with. He's with Roman right now. And it's fantastic. I've heard heard that's pretty cool. Cause for a while we've all been complaining that Roman can't be his own mouthpiece. And he started (laughs) to kind of turn a corner, but this is a good way of doing that. Mm -hmm. Like, like Paul gives him some great 
guidance because Roman doesn't have to do everything. Right. You know, it's it's like in between, right? Roman's in between Brock Lesnar and CM Punk with Mike mm-hmm. Skills. Like yeah. everyone always thought, like like when Paul Heyman and CM Punk linked up, everyone was like, CM Punk's the best talker on the roster. Why are we doing that? <laughs> but it ended up being really cool some of the stuff they did. Yeah. And so you can have a guy that's decent at talking and Paul Heyman can right. still be a mouthpiece and work with them because they right. can just bounce off each other instead of, you know, Brock having to stand there and sort of just yeah. walk around and which is a little bit, which is better for Brock because his credibility almost instantly goes away. The moment he opens his mouth, with the microphone in front of it. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I don't know if we've touched upon this in a podcast episode, We've definitely touched upon what I'm about to say in um, some of the other things we've done. But when they had John Laurinaitis try to be Brock Lesnar's mouthpiece. Yep. It's just, I I can't just, you know, well, well, Triple H, Hunter, this is a fair contract. (laughs) You just have to listen to that for like five minutes. The only time Brock Lesnar has ever spoken and it was good was when uh, it was Brock Brock and Heyman were out in the ring for a promo. This was almost immediately after like the brand split again in 2016. And Heath came out and they were still doing the story of Heath didn't get signed by either brand. So he's trying to get signed. He's the biggest And and the plan for the segment was Heath was going to go, you know, you know, I need to do this for my kids. And Brock was going to be like, you know, Heath, I get what you mean. I got kids of my own. I got a family, blah, blah, blah. But Brock instead, because he went, no, nah, that's stupid. Brock went, Heath, I got you. You got kids of your own. You got a family. I got to tell you something, Heath. I don't give a shit about your kids. And he F5'd him. <laughs> what was great about that was just the shift in tone because – Lesnar looks at him. He's like, you know, you got kids, Heath? And he, and he points at him. He's like, and then he points at himself. He's like, I got kids too. And then he sort of like looks around and looks down and gives the crowd an opportunity to be like, yeah, whoa, okay. Brock Lesnar and Heath are ma- matching up. And then Brock immediately just walks right into his face and just goes, I don't give a shit about your kids. <laughs> and the crowd's like, yeah. Uh- I can never dismiss Brock because Brock is one of the funniest people in wrestling too. Oh, like dude. and just straight up physical comedy wise, he doesn't have to say anything. But when he like when he does whatever facial expressions he does, it's hilarious. Oh, I remember dude. when he fought the Undertaker. I think it was at SummerSlam, and the Undertaker did his setup thing, and Brock did a setup thing too. He's like, ah! <laughs> like <laughs> laughing in his face. There was uh, when he's the Money in the Bank. That whole money in the bank was was so, granted. Granted, him winning money in the bank was painful for you. I understand. Because were you at that show? I was there. Yeah, I you was were there. That hurt because it looked like someone. It, looked, it looked like Ali was gonna win, Ali. and I was excited because I was like, "They're finally gonna give Ali his shot. This is it." And then Brock Lesnar came out, and. <laughs> Me and my brother got up and started to leave. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Lesnar came out. You're like, well, I know what's happening here. You're yeah. not earning any more of my time, Vince. And I thought Brock Lesnar having money in the bank was going to be awful. 
But then he did the whole the the boom box thing with oh, it. It was wasn't it like party Brock or something? It was it, yeah. It was it was the I don't remember what they called it, but it was like the the beast box. That's what it was. Yeah, and it was. And it he was, came out and he, he held the title like this and he like danced with it. And they eventually put like a speaker set on his briefcase. It was, it was like a Brock party. I yeah, the Brock party. Oh my god, dude! It was. They had him just carry the briefcase, and then one night out of nowhere they had the theme song start and then they put like a record scratch and we're like <laughs> and then they have some like hip-hop music and lesnar comes down with with that boombox briefcase and just starts dancing around the ring it was the funniest thing it literally it literally looked like someone like edited his entrance in wwe 2k with like the creative wrestler entrance yeah they like replace it with our truth or whatever <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It, it was very much like um what they did this year at wrestlemania with john cena the little like nwo teaser like no one thought it was ever going to actually happen no. but they alluded to it a little bit right. you know like a parallel universe it was pretty funny when brock had that briefcase there was a raw where paul Heyman was cutting a promo because Brock was going to cash it in at the next pay-per-view. And Paul Heyman, like, you know, was reading the contract. And Brock was like, stop, 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 stop. I got a year? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a year to cash this in? Oh, I'm leaving. I don't got to do this. He just and, and Heyman's like, you didn't know. <laughs> and it's like, you should have told me. He's like, like, how am I supposed to know? I don't watch the show. What do you mean you didn't know? <laughs> Those two are great together. Oh, absolutely. All right. Yeah, it, but it's been a while since Brock's been back, right? It has. Uh, I'm of the opinion that he's going to win the Royal Rumble this year. But we'll I have to wait it. and see. Yeah, well, I mean, he, he's got to come back at some point. You know, we yeah. know he's still under contract, so... I don't think he is at the moment. Really? Yeah. I mean, it's assumed he's going to come back at some point, but I don't think he's under a contract right now. Hmm. That's interesting because WWE isn't like regular sports in the sense that their contracts aren't as public knowledge, Mm -hmm. even though they're a public company now. Like, they should be disclosing more of that, but... You know, you have like the NFL, you know, when guys' contracts are going to be up. WWE, you just kind of go by like what Dave Meltzer tells you. You just take it, you know, at first glance. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm going to wrap up this episode of the podcast. Again, if you want to help in any way, uh, I will leave links for the American Lung Association and for Pro Wrestling Tees, as well as AEW Shop. Uh, Brody Lee's merch on there will also go towards his family. All proceeds from those. Yes, e- even if it's only something as small as five dollars, right. I'm sure, and any amount you can give to the Anything. American Lung Association or, or his family is really right. going to help them and out during this time. Absolutely, anything helps. You know, I bought a CM Punk T-shirt the other day to support it because I was going to buy one anyway. So I was like, well, it's for better time than any. You know. Awesome. Well, thank you all for listening. I hope you enjoy th- this episode. Uh, we talked a lot about we talked about wrestling the entire time, which is I feel like something we try to avoid, but it happens. It, well, but this it's, it's important for this episode. Yes. Uh, thank you all for watching. We'll see you next time.